Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and today we are going to get clear on some very important basics. I want to kind of look at this as a foundations class, but this is a foundations class we haven't had before. I'm going to be talking about some things that we haven't really gone into on the podcast before, and that's the cool thing about something like this. You know, even though we're nearing 250 episodes, there's a lot that we haven't talked about yet. And that's what's so exciting. Like we can never run out of things to say because there will always be a great thought-provoking email that comes in that makes me realize, huh, we haven't covered that. Maybe I have in some of my courses or with some of my clients, but not here on the podcast. So we are going to do that. This is going to be deeper into the science of things. And if you are rolling your eyes, hoping for a rah-rah motivational episode, I, I hear you. I love those too. But I want you to understand that there is an incredible amount of power in understanding what happens within our bodies when we eat and when we move. Because if we don't just smile and nod and listen along, if we really internalize it, if we really grasp it and understand it, I promise it can make a big difference that doesn't require willpower, just an understanding of what is happening in your body in response to choices that you make is very powerful stuff. And the reason that this episode is coming up when it is, is because I got some great and thoughtful questions via email in response to the recent podcast on the three stages of carbohydrate intolerance, okay? I will say this, if you find that you are one of those people that has a lot of questions about carbs and fat loss, carb strategies for fat loss, if you're thinking like, well, what about fruit? How do I handle that? Or what if I work out in the morning? Or what are your thoughts on alcohol? Please check out my Carbohydrate Strategies for Fat Loss e-course. You can find that on primalpotential.com underneath the Transformation Tools section because there's so much detailed information and strategy in that course as well as like bonus material with recipes and how to tackle cravings and all of that kind of stuff. But in the meantime, I want us to take this episode as a foundational episode related to blood sugar and carbohydrates. So I got an email last night that's really what triggered me to record this episode and explain some of the things related to blood sugar that that I haven't really done on the podcast before. So this is what the email said. It said, you say that you would always combine carbs with fat and protein. But I have a question. If carbs alone spike insulin immediately, why is that so bad? Because if it raises it quickly, won't it fall quickly on the other hand? If you combine it with fats and proteins and it raises more slowly, won't it go down more slowly? 
A quicker insulin response is a good thing, no? All right, so there are some things that are fundamentally not understood in that email. And I want to go through the email first and then lay the foundation again in a way that I don't think I've done it here on the podcast. So the one question was, um, let's see here. The, the one question was related to if carbs alone spike insulin immediately, why is that so bad? Well, carbs don't spike insulin, okay? Carbs drive blood sugar and blood sugar drives insulin, Now, carbs may or may not spike blood sugar, as this listener put in her email. They may or they may not. It depends on what type of carb you eat and how much of it you eat. If you do spike your blood sugar and then have a corresponding insulin response, that does not mean that just because it rose quickly that it will fall quickly. For some people, it may. For most people, it won't. If you, on the other hand, combine carbohydrates with fat or with protein, it does blunt the impact on your blood sugar, meaning that the carbs will be metabolized or broken down more slowly and cause a less severe increase in blood sugar. But this isn't just about the speed back to baseline, okay? Because when we have less of a blood sugar response, when we blunt that spike, we have less of an insulin response, less insulin being deployed. And that is a good thing because it's insulin that is that anabolic hormone, that storage hormone, and we don't wanna be in storage mode, right? If our goal is fat loss, we wanna be in breakdown mode. We wanna be in a catabolic state of fat burning, not an anabolic state as triggered by insulin in response to carbohydrate consumption, okay? So that's a good thing. But it's not just as simple as eat your carbs with fat or protein and everything's golden because that would imply that having bread with butter or having ice cream which is, you know, fat and uh, carbohydrate from the sugar and fat is good for fat loss. And that's not the implication. That's why I talk so often about the golden rules of carbs and fat loss. And there's four golden rules. I'll link up to that episode in the show notes. I did it recently. But the protein fat combo with the carbohydrate is only one of those four rules, okay? So we have to look at them in their totality because just combining carbs with fat or carbs with protein doesn't mean that it's conducive or more advantageous for fat loss. Now, I've sort of glossed over that stuff. Let me back up for a few minutes and cover some of the foundational basics. This is the geeky science stuff that just makes my heart sing. Foundationally, Eating carbohydrates is not the only way to elevate your blood sugar, okay? So I need you guys to understand foundationally that elevating your blood sugar is not only a function of whether or not you eat carbohydrates. So many people feel like, oh, well, if I don't eat carbohydrates, I'm going to have low blood sugar. Not necessarily, And other people feel like I'm doing everything right and I'm not eating carbohydrates. Why am I not seeing fat loss? Because there's other things going on. Eating carbohydrates is not the only way to elevate your blood sugar, okay? There are other ways for your body to generate glucose when you are not consuming it via sugar or starch or other carbohydrates. Generally speaking, there are three ways that we can elevate blood sugar. The first one is the most obvious one, eating, especially eating carbohydrates, carbs from any source, refined carbohydrates, whole food carbohydrates like your starchy veggies and your fruit, 
Fat has virtually no impact on blood sugar. Protein can have an impact on blood sugar. Obviously, carbohydrates have the most impact on blood sugar. But the first and most obvious way to increase blood sugar is by eating. And of course, the relative increase in blood sugar depends on what you eat and how much you eat. The second way to elevate blood sugar has nothing to do with what you eat or when you eat, okay? And it is a process called glycogenolysis, okay? Breaking down that stored glycogen. Let's break down that word glycogenolysis because I think when we hear these, these longer, more scientific words, we sort of glaze over. Let's break down the word. The first part of the word is glycogen, Glycogen. We know that glycogen is the storage form for glucose, glucose being sugar. So when we store excess sugar, it can be stored as glycogen. Glycogen is the storage form for glucose, and we can store that either in our liver or in our muscle tissue. So the second way that we can elevate our blood sugar is this glycogenolysis, glycogen referring to that glycogen, that stored glucose, long chains of glucose in the muscle or the liver, and lysis just means to break down. So if your body has lower blood sugar or fears that there is an imminent threat, that fight or flight response, and it wants to get sugar into your muscle tissue, it can use a price, a process called glycogenolysis, breaking down that glycogen to form glucose even when you haven't eaten. Okay, so that is one way that we can generate glucose, elevate blood sugar outside of eating, okay? The next one is called gluconeogenesis. Gluconeogenesis, this is the third way we're gonna talk about today that you can elevate your blood sugar, and this one doesn't have anything to do with actually having a meal or consuming carbohydrates. So let's do that same thing again that we did with glycogenolysis. Let's break down that word, gluconeogenesis. Gluco refers to glucose or sugar, right? That's just a more scientific name for sugar. It's a more specific type of sugar, glucose. So we're talking about glucose. Neo means new, and genesis means to create. So gluconeogenesis is creating new glucose, creating new sugar. Your body can do that in a number of different ways. It can generate glucose from the protein you eat, it can generate glucose from protein in your body, like your muscle tissue. Or it can generate glucose as a byproduct of fat metabolism, okay? So our body has multiple ways of elevating our blood sugar, only one of which is from when we eat. So this notion that like if we don't eat enough carbs, our body is just screwed because, you know, we're going to perpetually have low blood sugar... Sure, there are people with specific medical conditions who maybe can't regulate this as well, but the majority of us can, and our body, brilliantly designed as it is, has multiple ways to generate glucose, either from glycogenolysis, breaking down this stored glycogen in our muscle and our liver, or gluconeogenesis, generating new glucose from a non-sugar substrate. And the notion that if we don't eat carbs, our body's gonna break down our precious muscle tissue, that's not necessarily true. Your body can generate plenty of glucose from the protein that you eat without having to tap into, say, your muscle mass, 
as long as you're eating enough protein. If you are making sure that you are emphasizing quality protein with your meals, with your snacks, then your body has everything it needs to generate glucose as needed from that protein. And gluconeogenesis is not some like rare unicorn of a bodily process. In fact, most of us are going through gluconeogenesis overnight because it is critically important that our blood sugar levels stay steady. And so if we're fasting overnight while we sleep, say there's like a 12 to 14 hour period between when you last ate before bed and when you eat in the morning, your body has to maintain its blood sugar. And so it generally does that overnight via gluconeogenesis using protein you've eaten and breaking it down to generate glucose to sustain your blood sugar levels overnight. Now, you may have heard about something, and this is more often seen with people with diabetes, something called dawn phenomenon, where your blood sugar, even though you've been fasting overnight, is higher than it should be in the morning, higher than it should be relative to the fact that you've been fasting overnight. That's basically when gluconeogenesis kind of goes on overdrive and you generate more glucose than your body needs overnight while you're sleeping. So that is a really important thing to understand. And you might be thinking, well, Elizabeth, I've heard you say that stress can elevate blood sugar. So why is that not part of your three-pronged list of the ways we can elevate blood sugar? It actually is. If we are chronically stressed, physical stress or emotional stress, that is going to trigger gluconeogenesis. So stress can cause gluconeogenesis, but it's not a separate mechanism of action. Does that make sense? So the ways that we can elevate our blood sugar are going to be eating, glycogenolysis, and gluconeogenesis. Now, gluconeogenesis can be caused by low blood sugar because you're not eating carbs, or it can be caused by stress, or it can be caused by an extended fasting period, or it can be caused by um, any number of things. It can be caused by a low-carbohydrate diet, extended fasting, um, chronic exercise without refueling. So there are a number of things that can trigger gluconeogenesis, stress just being one of those. Now, we've just talked about how we can elevate or increase our blood sugar, but that's only one half of this equation, right? There are several different ways that we can elevate our blood sugar, but then we have to look at the factors which determine the rate at which sugar leaves the blood, which is kind of the crux of the email that I shared at the very start, right? This, this listener basically said, oh, well, if you increase your blood sugar really quickly, then it'll come down really quickly. Not necessarily. We have to look at the factors that determine the rate at which sugar leaves the blood. Now that we understand how we can increase blood sugar, how does it go back down? The rate of sugar leaving the blood, how quickly you clear blood sugar uh, or sugar from your bloodstream depends on a number of factors, including your activity level your carbohydrate tolerance or your insulin sensitivity, how responsive your tissues are to the hormone insulin, which acts as the usher, bringing sugar out of the blood and taking it where it never ever needs to go. And then the other factor that determines how quickly you can clear sugar from your blood is your baseline. For example, if you consume a fairly high carbohydrate diet and you're not very active and your glycogen stores are full, you're not tapping into them regularly, you're not turning them over regularly and they just sort of stay full, well then the process of clearing sugar for the, from the blood is gonna take longer for you because 
You might not need it immediately for energy. And then the second stop is to check and see if it can be stored as glycogen, but that's all full. So then we have to go to the conversion process to convert it to fat and bring it to your adipose tissue to be stored. So that slows down the process. So those three primary factors that determine the rate at which sugar leaves your blood are gonna be your activity level, your carbohydrate tolerance and or your insulin sensitivity slash insulin resistance, and then your baseline, like what's going on in your body at a normal time that determines which path out the sugar is going to take, what it has to be used for. Individuals who are very active are going to clear sugar from the blood more quickly because they need more energy, because their resting metabolic rate is higher because their activity level is higher. Individuals with more muscle mass are going to clear it more quickly than those with less muscle mass because, for many, lots of reasons going on here, but for one, your glucose transporters live, among other places, in your muscle tissue. Individuals who are insulin resistant to any degree are going to clear sugar from the blood more slowly. Individuals who are sedentary are going to clear sugar from the blood more slowly. Individuals who are chronically stressed, whether that's physical stress or emotional stress or both, are going to clear it more slowly. Now, when we talk about clearing sugar from the blood, where does it go? What happens to it? There are options there as well. First and foremost, it could be used immediately. And this is based partly on when did you last eat? How much did you last eat? How much fuel is currently available to your body, right? It's not going to be used immediately if there's already plenty of fuel in your system or if you just sort of refueled your system very recently. Whether or not it's used immediately also depends on how active you are. The more active you are, or if you're currently active during the metabolic process, then your body's fuel needs are higher in general or higher at that moment, okay? So it could be used immediately, and that's going to depend on how much did you eat? When did you last eat? How active have you been? How active are you right now? The next option, and we've talked about this in episodes before and a little bit in this episode as well, it could be stored as glycogen. This is the short-term storage space for glucose or sugar. So glycogen is just long chains of glucose and it can be stored in the liver or the muscle tissue. This is short-term limited storage space. There is not unlimited glycogen storage. It is limited. One thing to keep in mind, if it gets stored as glycogen in your liver, that glycogen is readily available for your whole body. So your brain can access that glycogen in the liver. Remember that glycogenolysis term we said? If your body needs glucose, it can break down that glycogen in the liver to fuel your brain, to fuel your muscles, to fuel your heart. The liver shares with the rest of the body. The muscles do not share. When you store glycogen in your muscle tissue, it's an in-only pathway. To be used for fuel via glycogenolysis, it can only be used by the muscle. So where the liver will share that glucose, that glycogen, with the rest of the body as needed, the muscle tissue will not. So it can be used only by the muscle tissue. Once it goes in, it has to be used by the muscles. It's not going to be shared with the rest of the body. But again, this is a limited storage space. So when we're looking at what's happening to this sugar in the blood, 
whether or not it's stored as glycogen depends primarily on is there room, right? Is there room for it? That's, that's a big part of it. And it depends on how much did you eat? Did you eat enough that there is extra left over or did you just eat enough to meet your body's immediate fuel needs, right? And then the last option would be if there's not any of this short-term storage space, if your glycogen stores are all full, then we're talking about the final resting place, which is converting to and storing as fat in your adipose tissue. Think belly, butt, hips, thighs, etc. So for the people who feel like, I think I'm doing the work, but I'm not getting any results, or the people who think, I'm totally going to hurt my body if I don't have the bread, pasta, or rice. I think it's really helpful to understand what is happening in the body in response to consuming fuel. How do we increase blood sugar? How do we decrease blood sugar? Where is it going if it's not immediately used as fuel? How do I determine whether it is immediately used as fuel? How do I increase the chances that when I eat, my body is going to use it instead of storing it? Okay, so important to understand this and to understand that blood sugar is not just about carbohydrates. Blood sugar is not even just about what you ate and when you ate. Now, the great thing about all of the moving parts here is that we have a ton of opportunity to make improvement. One obvious improvement is to work towards applying the golden rules of carbs and fat loss. Eat your carbohydrates from whole food sources instead of processed food sources. So that would mean things like potato and sweet potato or whole oats instead of things like pretzels or bread or crackers or baked goods. Have your carbohydrates with your last meal of the day or your post-workout meal instead of with your first meal of the day. And I've talked about and will link to um, some carb timing episodes that I've done. Cut your portion size. You don't have to immediately begin eating clean. Dial up your veggies, dial up your dietary fat, dial back your starchy carbs one change at a time. Or you can decrease your snacking frequency. Just don't eat as often as you are right now. Have your fat loss friendly breakfast in the morning and then choose to wait until lunch to eat again instead of having your mid-morning granola bar or whatever else. Or you can move your body more, walk more, get up and move around more, do some body weight squats in the middle of the afternoon or while you're brushing your teeth. Lift weights, lift heavy stuff. It doesn't have to be at a gym. It can be at your home. Remember that the pursuit of perfection probably hasn't worked for you very well in the past. So for now, just look for ways to make progress. And keep in mind that carbohydrates are not the enemy. We need to be smart about our strategies and we need to understand them fully without categorizing any particular food as good or bad or pinpointing it for taking the blame for whatever's going on with our fat loss or lack thereof. All right, before we wrap up with what I ate yesterday and the delicious wine that I had, I want to remind you, ladies, because this is a ladies only event coming up, Ascend, the first ever Primal Potential in-person Women's Transformation Weekend. Tickets go on sale 7-12, which is the two-year anniversary of Primal Potential. Thanks to everybody who emailed and told me that it's anniversary. 50 tickets only. It is going to be a small event that is going to blow your minds. I wish I could get in a time machine right now to November 3rd. It begins November 3rd, goes for the 4th and the 5th. I cannot wait. Stay tuned. There will be a podcast with all the details on 712, which is Primal's anniversary and my birthday. 
Uh, so all of that information will be coming very, very soon. You can get that information a day early by being on the save the date list. You just go to primalpotential.com forward slash save dash the dash date and you can get access to one of those 50 tickets a day before everybody else. All right, what I ate yesterday, cold brew coffee, because tis the season for cold brew. I love it because it is rich and creamy and bold and has a much cleaner flavor than hot brewed coffee, uh, but also because it's significantly less acidic and I'm a little nutty about my teeth. I drink my coffee with a glass straw. It's true, I do. But also uh, in the hot weather, I love cold brew for the flavor, but truly because it is so much less acidic, which just makes it better for your body. Uh, midday, I had some Brussels sprouts uh, sautéed with sun-dried tomato and I think three eggs. And then I took myself out for dinner where I had a Caesar salad, no croutons, and tuna tartare with avocado and a glass of wine. It was a petite Syrah, which is one of my favorites. If I'm going to drink, I am going to go for the boldest, richest red, which is going to have the least amount of sugar, and I enjoy every freaking sip. I don't just randomly, mindlessly drink while engaging in conversation. It is an experience for me, and it gets my full attention, and if it doesn't have my full intention, I'm done, and I stop. So I hope this episode was helpful. If you have questions about it, don't hesitate to shoot me an email and let me know. I'm always here to help you guys in any way that I can. And I hope that you are one of the 50 people that gets your hands on a ticket to Ascend, which will become available on 712 or 711 if you are on the Save the Date list. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.